going to, uh, last week we, we, we read down and, and focused in on um, down to verse number 18 and looked at several uh, aspects or characteristics or attitudes that we should have towards our leaders, especially as we think about the uh, difficulties and the, and the trials, the challenges of life. It's important that we have leaders that we can follow and that we can um, respect and, and listen to and obey and, and pray for and, and having the right attitudes towards those leaders is important to get us through the challenges in our life. As we think about this morning's text, we're going to actually go back into um, the text that we read last week and just kind of almost um, a little bit of review. I felt like we missed a few pieces that needed to be addressed and so I wanted to address those two verses this morning, and I wanted to talk to you a little bit about sacrifice. And so if you'll, if you'll turn, uh, keep one finger in chapter 13 and just turn back to chapter number 10. Um, as we've gone through the book of Hebrews, we found that sacrifice is something that's very, uh, very obviously central to the book. And we, we're talking about sacrifices from the beginning to the end of the book. And um, when you think about sacrifices, we think about giving up something that costs us, uh, something that's valuable. Oftentimes, sacrifice is associated with suffering. It's associated with difficulty. It's associated with, sa- with, sacri- with uh, challenges. Um, it's associated with, again, giving something that's pricey to us. Uh, David was going to make a sacrifice to the Lord. I believe it's in 1 Samuel uh, towards the end of the book, he's going to make a sacrifice to the Lord, and he, he shares this with another um, uh, gentleman, and, and the gentleman offers him all of the things for free so that he can make this sacrifice to the Lord. And David says, I will not offer something to the Lord that does not cost me something. And so he then pays for these things so that he can make this sacrifice to the Lord. And then we see that constant theme throughout Scripture that sacrifice is something that is is costly to us. It is, it is um, giving up something or giving something that, that means something to us, that matters to us. There are three different types of sacrifices addressed in Hebrews. Two of them we've already seen fairly consistently, and, and uh, the last one we're going to look at this morning. So Hebrews 10, I want to read some of this for you. The Bible says in verse number 1, uh, let's just go down to verse number 2, otherwise... They would not have ceased to be offered since the worshipers having once been cleansed would no longer have any consciousness of sins. But in these sacrifices, there is a reminder of sin every year for it is impossible for the blood of bulls and goats to take away sins. Consequently, when Christ came into the world, he said, sacrifices and offerings you do not desire, but a body you have prepared for me. In burnt offerings and in sin offerings, you have taken no pleasure. Then I said, Behold, I have come to do your will, O God, as it is written of me in the scroll of the book. When he, had set, when he, when he said above, You have neither desired nor taken pleasure in sacrifices and offerings and burnt offerings and sin offerings. These are offered according to the law. Then he added, Behold, I have come to do your will. He does away with the first in order to establish the second. And by that will, we have been sanctified through the offering of the body of Jesus Christ once for all. And every priest stands daily at his service, offering 
repeatedly the same sacrifices. Just a quick note here, you'll often see the idea of offering and sacrifices tied together throughout Scripture because it is, it is an offering of something. You're offering something to someone else in biblical terms in order to get favor, in order to get, uh, you'll get something in return. So the Old Testament, they would make sacrifices to God, um, most likely animals, but also food sacrifices to God. And in return, they would experience God's favor for a, a shortened period of time, and just for maybe a year in many cases or until their next time that they failed in some cases. But these sacrifices were an offering to God meant to, to um, gain His favor, maybe gain His mercy or gain His grace. And what's being talked about here is how that those sacrifices always failed to accomplish what men hoped they would accomplish. And the sacrifices of men all throughout the book of Hebrews are, are shown to be faulty. They're shown to be frail. They're shown to be incapable of accomplishing what, what we think they should accomplish. Really, if you think about it, the main contrast of the book of Hebrews is the sacrifice that men bring, right, versus the sacrifice that Jesus Christ brought. The sacrifices that men bring are always seen in Scripture as falling short, never being able to uh, accomplish what they, what they sought to accomplish. So all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, and the Old Testament is replete with sacrifices, all of those sacrifices did nothing, nothing, zero, to bring people into favor with God. They didn't accomplish any, anything. They, they ultimately just showed man as sinful and man as incapable. So when we look at that, we think man's sacrifice to God is, is it's, it's it's, it's worthless. And then we go to the place where we see the, the sacrifice of Christ, who is the ultimate sacrifice. He is the one who laid down his life for his people. And his sacrifice is, is, is taught in contrast to man's sacrifice in the book of Hebrews. And Christ's sacrifice is sufficient. Christ's sacrifice is eternal. Christ's sacrifice accomplishes everything that it set out to accomplish. It, it fulfilled every aspect of its purpose. So when Christ Jesus died on the cross and he gave his life for us in order that he might save people from their sins, it didn't just make salvation available, it accomplished salvation. Everything about Christ's sacrifice was, was, was uh, complete and it, and it was fulfilled. Everything about man's sacrifice is incomplete and incapable of accomplishing what it's, what, it's, what it's seeking to accomplish. And we read in other passages of Scripture that ultimately the purpose of the sacrifices of the Old Testament were never meant to bring favor with God, were they? When God put them, God's the one that put them into place, right? But He didn't put them into place to bring favor with Him. He brought them into place to show man's inability to, bring, to get favor with God by their sacrifices, the law was not given to make us to bring us into favor with God through our works. The law was given to show us how our works will never bring us into favor with God. If you're trusting in your works to bring you into favor with God this morning, you will find yourself in the same boat that these people were being uh, what these people were being taught, and that is, is that you will always fall short. But if you're trusting in Christ's sacrifice and what He did for you on the cross. In his death and resurrection, you will have salvation because his sacrifice was sufficient. Listen to what he says here in verse 11. 
And every priest stands daily at his service, offering repeatedly the same sacrifices, which can never take away man's sins. But when Christ offered for all time a single sacrifice for sins, he sat down at the right hand of God, waiting for that time until his enemies will be made his footstool for his feet. For by a single sacrifice, he has perfected for all time those who are being sanctified. And the Holy Spirit also bears witness of us that after, for after saying, this is my covenant that I will make with them after those days, declares the Lord, I will put my law in their hearts and write them on their minds. And he adds, I will remember their sins and their lawless deeds no more. Where there is forgiveness of sins, there is no longer, and where there is forgiveness of these, there is no longer an offering for sin. So we see these two sacrifices, again, being consistently spoken of in the book of Hebrews. But there's a third type of sacrifice that the author brings up at the very end as he's getting ready to close out, which is an acceptable sacrifice to God. It is a sacrifice that is beyond the Old Testament sacrifices. It's beyond the sacrifice of Christ. It is a third type of sacrifice. And that we're, we're, we're commanded or encouraged, if you will, to bring this type of sacrifice to God. Now, this sacrifice is not meant to gain favor with God. It is a, um, this sacrifice is for those who are in favor with God. And so I want to read to you uh, our text and then give you some thoughts on what sacrifice are we called to make today. And, and don't forget that sacrifice is, is something that's going to cost you. And we think of the Christian life as being not costly. And we don't make a lot of sacrifices in the Christian life. We don't give up a lot. We, we, we see the Christian life as being totally for, about us. And so whatever we want out of the Christian life, that's what we go for. That's what we call Christianity. But the Lord, uh, through His Word, calls Christians, followers of Jesus who have been totally saved by Christ and sanctified by Christ, He calls them to sacrifice he calls them to a sacrificial life. He calls them to a life of, of sacrifice. And here's what he says in the text, verse 15 and verse 16. The Bible says, Through him let us continually offer up a sacrifice of praise to God. That is the fruit of lips that acknowledge him, that acknowledge his name. Do not neglect to, to do good and to share with those for such sacrifices are pleasing to God. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for an opportunity that you've given us to, to, to bring sacrifices to you, to bring not just any sacrifices, but to bring acceptable sacrifices. We pray that you will work in our hearts, work in our minds this morning, drive us where you want us to be, motivate us and encourage our hearts to being sacrificial in how we live and how we function. And may those sacrifices be pleasing to you. And we'll give you the thanks and the praise for it in Christ's name. Amen. Maybe some of you have read the uh, 19th century uh, French novel called The Count of Monte Cristo. Or perhaps you've seen the movie that was redone and I believe it was the 20, maybe the 21st century. I think it might have been in this century. But Maybe in the 1990s it was done, but maybe you've read the book or you've watched the movie. And in the movie, it's the story of 
this man named Edward Dantes, okay? And my wife is going to give me affirmation because I was thinking, what are their names again? <laughs> so I want to get their names right. But Edward Dantes is uh, accused of a crime that he did not commit, and he's exiled to this island called Shadow Deef. And uh, he spends several years on this island, and he meets this uh, man in the, in the prison there. And um, he's called the priest, and he gives him all of this instruction on how to fight and how to read. And he just, like, becomes this different person while he's in prison. And he also gives him a map to this, to this treasure. And uh, ultimately, the priest dies, and Edward, Edward Dantes uh, escapes from the prison. And uh, he's outside the prison, he escapes, he jumps into the ocean, and uh, he washes ashore on this island, and uh, while he's on this island, he comes across uh, a whole bunch of pirates, and these pirates are rambunctious, and they're, they're in this uh, ceremony where they're getting ready to, um, to punish one of the criminals that has stolen money from them. And so they catch Edward Dantes, and they tell these this uh, other guy whose name is Jacopo, and uh, they tell Jacopo that he's going to fight Edward Dantes, and their, their attitude is, is they'll fight, one of them will kill the other one, and whoever wins will take with us, and the other one will be gone. So if you guys, anybody remember, can you shake your head if you remember the story, because I feel like I'm getting a lot of blank stares here. <laughs> Maybe I'm telling the wrong story. So these guys fight together, Edward Dantes and Jacopo fight together, and, uh, and Edward Dantes basically surrenders or submits uh, Jacopo when he, he's, he has the opportunity to kill him, but he, but he doesn't. He shows him mercy. And, uh, and what, what Jacopo does is Jacopo then commits his life. He, he says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. I'm going to give my life to you because you have shown me mercy. It's really, it's a, it's a, I was looking at it this week, it's an, it's an ancient uh, proverb that when somebody shows you mercy and gives you, gives you your life back, that you give your life to them. And so he, uh, Jacopo gives his life, and if you've read the book or studied the, or watched the film, you, you know that he kind of follows him everywhere he goes and just helps him. And he kind of gives his life up for, for Edmond Dantes because he's been shown mercy. I tell you that story because I think that's very similar to what we see here. We see a commitment to Christ, a sacrifice to Christ, not so that we can gain favor, but as a result of the favor that we have gained. And not so that we can gain mercy or, or gain grace, but because we have received mercy and we have received grace. We have been brought into God's family by His grace, and, and now we, we respond to that by giving our life to Him. Now, people who say, I, I want to be a Christian but have no desire of becoming a follower of Christ, don't understand what it means to be a Christian. Jesus says to his disciples in Luke chapter number 9, he says, uh, one man comes to him and says, Lord, I will follow you wherever you want to go. You know what Jesus says? Jesus says, birds of the air, uh, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. I mean, the Lord doesn't go into this dissertation on how great things are going to be when you become a follower of Christ. He goes into a dissertation on how challenging things are going to be when you become a follower of Christ. How, how much sacrifice you're going to have to make to be a follower of Jesus Christ. And that sacrifice is, that sacrifice is important even for those who know that salvation is by grace. Salvation is not by sacrifice on, on our part. Salvation is not of the works that we have done. 
The Bible says in Titus 3 and verse 5 that it's not of the works of righteousness that we have done, but it is by the mercy of God that we are saved. So we know that we're not saved by sacrifice. We know that sacrifice plays no part on our, our sacrifice pays no part in our salvation. It is the sacrifice of Christ. So we're freely saved and we're freely, we're freely, we're freely called to serve the Lord. But we're also commanded here to make sacrifices to Him. Certain types of sacrifices that are pleasing to Him. If you go back, it's, just, it's interesting because the word pleasing here um, is used three times in the book of Hebrews and twice in Hebrews chapter number, or, or once in Hebrews 11 and once in Hebrews 2. In Hebrews 11, it says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And here he says that here are some sacrifices that you can make as a Christian that are pleasing to God some sacrifices that you can make as a believer that bring satisfaction to God. These are, these are sacrifices that we're called to. So let's just let's, uh, work through this text here. There are six things that I want you to think about um, that the Lord wants us to think about as we consider this text. Six things that are a part of what we would call acceptable sacrifices to God. He says, number one, verse uh, 15, first two words, through Him. Through Christ, we make acceptable sacrifices to God. In, in other words, when we, make when we make sacrifices to God on the basis of what Christ Jesus has done for us, on the basis of His sacrifice for our sins, on the basis of His mercy, on the basis of His grace, as we make sacrifices to God on the basis of what Christ has done for us, those sacrifices are acceptable to God. Not sacrifices in order to gain, not sacrifices in order to merit, but sacrifices based upon what Christ Jesus has done for us. In the same way that Jacopo gave his life to Edmund Dantes, it wasn't so that Edmund Dantes wouldn't kill him. It was a result of Edmund Dantes not killing him. So when we make sacrifices, when we, when we give up things in life, when we let go of certain um, uh, sins that we might be embracing or certain uh, uh, things that might be hindering our, our race, might be hindering us from serving the Lord as we let go of those things, as we release those things, as we give those things up as a sacrifice, we must do it not on the basis of gaining God's favor, but on the basis of the fact that we have God's favor. Think about what the Bible says in Romans 12. He says, I beseech you therefore, brethren, by the, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice. We're called to present ourselves a living sacrifice. But what is the basis of us presenting our bodies a living sacrifice? Is it so that we can gain the mercies of God or is it because we have, we have the mercies of God? You see, it's recognizing what God has done for you that makes you a sacrificial person. It's recognizing what Christ did to, to purchase you. It's recognizing the mercy and grace that He has shown to you. It's realizing that you're a part of His family that brings you to being a sacrificial person. So we start with through Him. Only sacrifice that is made that's acceptable for, to God today other than Jesus Christ or let me say it this way. 
the only sacrifice that's made to God today by humanity that is acceptable to God is a sacrifice that is made on the basis of Christ, on the basis of what he has done for you. It's not to, if you make a sacrifice to God today because you want to gain some kind of a favor from him, it's unacceptable. It's unacceptable. He will not be pleased with it. You say, well, Pastor John, why would I make a sacrifice then? Exactly. You don't make the sacrifices based upon what you will gain. You make the sacrifices based upon what you have gained. It's almost like running the race of life from victory, not to victory. It's like everything has already been accomplished. Christ Jesus has sufficiently satisfied God's wrath towards those who believe in him. And we now function, we now live life sacrificially, not so that we can merit God's favor, but because we have God's favor. The first necessity to offering something to God that is acceptable to him is that you offer it on the basis of what Christ Jesus has done for you. Why are you a Christian today? Why are you a follower of Christ? Why do we live and walk and have our being? Why do we do all of those things? It's not so that we can gain God's favor. It's because we have God's favor. I know the service that we will commit, honestly, I... The service that we will commit to the Lord, the sacrifice that we're willing to give for the Lord is so much more intense when you know what he has done for you versus trying to gain something from him. It's hard to, it's hard to get a hold of that reality because we think of, well, I'll work harder if I know I'm going to get something in, in return. The actual, actually, the opposite is true. When you know what God has given you by his free mercy and grace, you will work harder for him. The first thing is, if you're going to offer up a sacrifice this morning, if you're, I'm not talking about offering up a sacrifice of, a, of an animal. I'm talking about offering up a sacrifice of your life. If you're going to offer up a sacrifice of your life to the Lord, it must be built on the work of Christ. That's the basis of, that, of your sacrifice for him. I do not give up my life to gain. I give up my life because I have gained. Number two, he says, Therefore, or through him, then let us continually offer up a sacrifice. The second characteristic of sacrifices that is acceptable before God is continual sacrifices. Now get this, because he's comparing here in the Old Testament how, much, how often did they make sacrifices. A lot, right? <laughs> we would say in our minds continually they were making sacrifices, right? Would that be inaccurate? We would probably agree. We see these daily sacrifices, weekly sacrifices, monthly, yearly. Pretty often they're making sacrifices, Okay? But here's the unique thing that the Lord is pointing out to us here in Hebrews 13. Their sacrifices weren't continual. They were scheduled. Does that make sense? Their sacrifices weren't a continual outflowing of their heart. It wasn't something that they did always. 
When you think about the idea of, of sacrifices, we think of scheduled events that take place in our life. What he is saying here is that the sacrifice that is acceptable before God is a sacrifice that is always taking place in your life. It's a continual thing that's happening. It's not a, an event. It's not something that you schedule. Well, let's see, this week I'm going to Tuesday night. I'm, man, I'm going to give up that time that I've got and I'm going to serve the Lord. No, it is continual. If you're going to offer a sacrifice to God that is acceptable, it is a continual offering, meaning that it's always happening. When the Lord says pray without ceasing, what he is saying is continually pray. Always be in an attitude of prayer. Always be communicating to God. When we're going to make a sacrifice to God that is acceptable to Him, it's not going to be scheduled. It's not going to be, oh, I'm going to go to church on Sunday morning and that's going to be my offering to God this week. It is always going to be an offering to God. This is the only type of, this is the only type of sacrifice that is offered to God that is acceptable. It is one that is continuous. It continues to happen throughout your life. I think we get, into the, we get into the rut of thinking like they taught in the Old Testament. Well, I'll make this sacrifice this week and this one this month, and I'll make another one this year, and we got the New Year's resolutions, right? I'm going to read my Bible more. And we think in that sense, and what the Lord is saying is, is the sacrifice that I'm asking you for as a follower of Christ is built upon what Christ Jesus has done for you, and it is a continuous sacrifice. It's always taking place in your heart and in your mind and in your life. That's the second principle that we need to think about when we consider a sacrifice that is pleasing to God. It's based upon Christ and it is continuous. It's always happening. He goes on to say this and he says, offer up a sacrifice of praise to God that is the fruit of your lips that acknowledge his name. The third principle that I want you to consider is that it is fruit. It is fruit. And this kind of goes together with continuous. A sacrifice that's offered to God that is acceptable is fruit. Say, you tell me to offer up a fruit sacrifice? You want me to go get some apples or something like that? No, I'm not talking about offering up some apples on a fruit sacrifice. Here, here's what the principle is. It goes along with continuous, right? Here's what he's saying. When you offer up sacrifices to God, it can't be something that you work for. In other words, it has to be an overflow of the changed life that Christ has purchased for you. It has to be an overflow of what is in your heart. The only type of sacrifices that the Lord is accepting of people, of mankind today, are built around the fact that we are new creations in Christ. That's why the Bible says in Matthew 7, you will know them by their, by their fruits. Right? The Bible says in Galatians 5, but the fruit of the Spirit is, right? This is, this is does, does fruit something you have to work to produce? If you're an apple tree, does it work to produce apples or does it just naturally produce apples? Now, if you got an apple tree to try to get that apple tree to produce oranges, it'd be work, wouldn't it? And I tell you, that's what a lot of Christian, professing Christians do. 
They, they try to produce oranges when they're not oranges. They try to produce oranges when they're not oranges. And that's what Matthew 7 says too. Every good tree produces good fruit and every apple tree produces apples. Every orange tree produces oranges. Where work comes in, if you're an orange tree this morning and you want to be an apple tree, where work comes in is you got to go out there and pick all the oranges off your tree and then tape all the apples onto your tree and make yourself look like an apple tree. It's hard to do, isn't it? It is not, even in doing that, Next year, when fruit season comes about, guess what you're going to have popping up on your tree? Oranges. I think I said that right. Get those mixed up. You get the picture, though, right? What's wrong? What's wrong is, is, is there's not a root, there hasn't been a root transformation. What he says here is, is that the sacrifice that's pleasing to God is a sacrifice that is a fruit of your life. It is, a, it is a product of the transformation that Christ has, has accomplished. So old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. When sacrifice of man, when, when our sacrifice to God is based upon the transformed life that he has accomplished for us and in us, then it is acceptable before God. And this is why it's continuous. It's continuous and it's fruit. Why? Because it is who we are. The change has taken place. We offer sacrifice. We live sacrificial lives because it's who we are. It's not what we do. And I will submit to you that it's more important who you are than it is what you do because who you are will produce what you do. We need to listen to, listen to the, what we do is to see who we are sometimes. So he says those three things, these, these, are, these are assets, if you will, are, are, are attitudes of reasons why we would make an acceptable sacrifice. It would be through him, it would be continual or constant, and it will be fruits. It'll be fruit, it'll be a product of your life. And then there are three types of sacrifices that we can make within these three uh, reasons or motivations. Number one, it says, a sacrifice of praise to God. What is a sacrifice of praise? The Bible says, in everything give thanks. In everything give thanks. A sacrifice of praise. And remember this, a sacrifice of praise is going to be costly. It's not going to be always in the easy circumstances or the easy times of your life. A sacrifice of praise. Put those two things together. You are sacrificing to praise. We're seeing that some in our culture today, aren't we? Sacrificing to praise. We are sacrificing to praise. We are sacrificing to praise. That's what he calls us to. Sacrificing to praise him. For he is worthy of our praise. And the, and the greater sacrifices we make in order to praise him, the more exalted he is. This is why in many ways Christ is exalted so much more in other countries because the sacrifice that it takes to praise is so significant. I remember a story of a, of a missionary family who were in a, a, an, an, an Arab nation where and this was during the time where the things were really heated, not that they're not heated today, but this was in the time that they were really, really heated. And the family would come and 
the family came and told the missionary who was uh, pastoring this church, they said, when we would send our, they would send their kids to walk to church every day or every Sunday for the services, and they said, every time we sent our children to come to your church, we didn't know if they were going to come back alive. Every time that we would send our kids to worship your God, we didn't know if they were going to come back alive. That's sacrifice to praise. That's sacrifice to praise. It's what he calls us to. Not, not so that we can be Christians, but listen, man, there is nothing, um, there is nothing that we shouldn't be willing to sacrifice to praise if we're building it on what Christ has done for us. If we're basing it on through Him, we do this all the time. We sacrifice to praise. We constantly say things and do things. He calls it the fruits of our lips to acknowledge his name. We constantly say things and do things that might cost us something, but they're exalting of Christ. I think of what the Lord says in the Gospels. He says, if you will, if you will deny me before men, or if you will refuse to speak my name before men, what does he say will happen? He says, I will refuse to speak your name before my Father who is in heaven. This is serious. Is the Lord saying you're going to lose your salvation? Or is the Lord saying if you refuse to speak my name to men, that it is not the overflow of your heart? If we are ashamed of the Lord, he will be ashamed of us in his kingdom. That's what he tells us. He calls us to a sacrifice of praise, the fruit of our lips, to acknowledge him in everything. This is an acceptable sacrifice to him. The more you can bring praises to God, the better. And the more sacrifice that's associated with that being, bringing praise to God, the better. It's easy sometimes to speak the name of Christ when you're talking to the choir, right? But what about when you're talking to the enemy? It's not so easy anymore, is it? a sacrifice of praise it's a sacrifice of praise you are making a sacrifice to speak the name of christ the lord says this is what i call you to i call you to a sacrifice of praise you want to make those old testament sacrifices you know what they're not going to do you any good but a sacrifice of praise will speak the lord speak the lord to people use the name of christ to people if they laugh you, if they mock you, if, they, if it puts you at risk in some way, don't be ashamed. This is what he has called us to. And he says it's not, it's not just an option, it's the overflow of your heart. The prophets would often say, I could not but speak what I've been told. It was burning inside of me. I had to say it, because if I didn't say it, would, I mean, they, they illustrated it as if there would be an explosion if they didn't say what the Lord had said to them. Are we there? Are we there as Christians in Hollister, California? Are we there where it doesn't matter what that person across the table thinks if I'm going to speak the name of Christ or not? We're willing to make a sacrifice of praise. Make a sacrifice of praise to the Lord. That's what he calls us to here. It's an acceptable sacrifice. Again, in everything, give thanks. We're told, we're told to not be complaining or murmuring in life, but to, but to be trusting God. 
he says a sacrifice of praise is acceptable. The second sacrifice that he says here is a sacrifice of, um, let's see here. Sometimes my paper, my pages blow over and I can look back down and I'm on a different, I'm in a different chapter. But he says, secondly, do not neglect to do good. A sacrifice, this is again connected to a certain type of sacrifice. It's a, a sacrifice of doing good. A sacrifice of, uh, uh, the word here means to be benevolent, uh, to, be, to be caring for other people. A sacrifice of doing good. If you turn over with me in your Bibles to Matthew, in the, the first uh, of the Gospels, Matthew chapter number 25, we, we see this principle laid out for us about the kingdom of, about the kingdom of God. He says at the, in, uh, at the end of chapter number 25, he says, um, Come you, in verse number 34, then the king will say to those who are on his right hand, Come, you are blessed by my father. Inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. For when I was hungry, you gave me food. And when I was thirsty, you gave me drink. And when I was a stranger, you welcomed me. And when I was naked, you clothed me. And when I was sick, you visited me. And when I was in prison, you gave, you gave to me, or you came to me. The righteous will answer saying, Lord, when did we see you hungry and feed you or thirsty and give you drink? And when did we see you a stranger and welcome you or naked and clothed you? And when did we see you sick or in prison and visit you? And the king will say to them, Truly I say to you, as you did it to one of the least of these, my brothers, you did it unto me. This is the sacrifice of goodness. It's the sacrifice of good works. The Bible tells us in Ephesians 2 and verse 8, 9, and 10, he says, For by grace you have been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God, not of works so that no one can boast. For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus unto good works. The sacrifice of good works. Not, not just good works. That, that kind of takes you to one level, but the sacrifice of good works. In other words, good works that cost you something. David could have very easily said, hey, I'll take all these things and I'll sacrifice them to the Lord and they won't cost me anything and I'll have... No, he, he would not offer to the Lord something that didn't cost him. Why? Because the Lord was more valuable than that. This is a sacrifice of praise. This is a sacrifice of worship. This is a sacrifice of honor to God. So it can't cost you enough. It's like when we go out and we buy our wives something special or we take them to dinner. The, it does matter if you go to McDonald's versus going to the nice steakhouse that costs a few extra dollars. It does matter, doesn't it? Ladies, it does matter, doesn't it? This is your opportunity. It does matter. And when they give you that ring that you're going to get married one day and you look at that stone and it, it matters whether or not they put the quarter in the thing and turn the little knob and it popped out versus going down to the jewelry store and dropping down a credit card that they are never going to be able to pay off in their entire life and <laughs> buying you that ring. That matters, doesn't it? You know what that is? It's a sacrifice for the value of that person. That's what he's calling us to. It's a sacrifice of goodness, a sacrifice of goodness to others, something that we do for others that costs us something. This is a sacrifice that is acceptable to God. 
feed the poor, encourage the weary, do something that, that costs you to be a blessing to somebody else. The last, the last sacrifice that he says that's acceptable to him is the sacrifice of sharing. It's the sacrifice of giving. Um, this carries with it an Acts, an Acts 2 principle where they brought all of their goods together and they, and they sold all of their goods and they distributed it as everybody had need. This is a principle that took um, strong precedent in the first in the first century of the church. It took strong place in, uh, in the first church, in Acts chapter number 2. They would sell all that they have, and they, would give, they, were, they, were, they were sharing with each other. One had a need, and the other one gave to meet that need, and the other one had a need, and the other one gave. And, the, and no one, if you, if you go to 2 Corinthians 8 and 9, you see that no one had a need because there was people meeting other people's needs. And in the end of the day, 2 Corinthians 9 says this, that they gave in such a way that those who had abundance had no abundance. And those who had lack had no lack. In other words, the church worked in such a way of sharing that they shared so that those who had lack had no lack and those who had abundance had no abundance. Because everybody's were take, needs were taken care of. God had blessed some with abundance, but not for their own abundance, but he had blessed them with abundance so that they might do what? Build up new barns and prepare for, the, for putting all of their new stuff in their new barns or for them to share with others. This is a principle of the church. This is a way that we can make a sacrifice to the Lord for what he has done for us. This is a way that we can thank him. It's a way that we can honor Him with our lives, with our sacrifices, and bring glory to Him. So these are six things, six principles, if you will, that you can apply to your life. How can I, anybody ever, anybody in here, um, out here, maybe it's a better way of saying it, anybody out here ever have somebody do something for you that was just so amazing that you just wanted to pay them back? Anybody out here have that happen? Anybody out here um, have somebody do something for so, have somebody do something for you that was so amazing that you knew you could never pay them back? Right? That's Christ, isn't it? Christ has done something for us that we know we can never pay Him back for. The principles of this sacrifice are not that you can pay the Lord back. That would be that would be the antithesis of what we're talking about. The principle of these sacrifices is, is that you can thank the Lord for what He has done. You can honor him for what he has done. You can lift him up and exalt him for what he has done. And when you make sacrifices that are built around, that are, are built around praising him, helping others, and sharing as the body of Christ, you are pleasing God. You are pleasing to him. That, those sacrifices are pleasing to him. My encouragement to you this morning is to, to think about and, and consider where, where we're at. No, we don't sacrifice so that we can gain God's favor, but we should sacrifice because we have God's favor. The church of Jesus Christ should be the, the most sacrificial place that exists upon the planet. We should be willing and, and ready and able to help those who need help. I was listening yesterday to a, a, a podcast of a guy that was talking about what do we do in times of of uh, whatever we're in right now. (laughs) 
I don't even have a term for it anymore. Times of turmoil. And it was, I think it was Martin Luther who said, who said, I'll, he said, and he wasn't living in our days, but it was, pretty, it was pretty appropriate, pretty relevant. He said, I will do whatever they ask me to do to protect, to take care of. If they ask me to, and he was talking about, uh, it wasn't a pandemic, but it was some kind of physical, medical thing. And he was saying that he would do whatever they asked him to do. He said, but he would not, not help. If they said, you cannot not help somebody that's in need, he said, I would not do that. His attitude was, I will, I will do whatever they ask me to do until it goes against what God has called me to do. And that should be our attitude as well. I will do whatever until it contradicts what God has called me to do. There are people who need help. And it is the calling of the church, no different than the, the fire the fires needing firemen to fight them, right? And the, doc, and, the, and the coronavirus needing doctors to fight it. We need the church. The world needs the church to stand strong in this moment, to stand strong in worshiping the Lord, in sacrificing for others, in helping others, giving up our lives for others, and in sharing with each other. Then in the end, there will be no one who is in need, and there will be no one who has too much. Let's pray together. Father, we do thank you for this time together this morning. Thank you for the opportunity, Lord God, that you have given us to, um, to give back. Lord, not in such a way as we are paying you back for what you have done, not in such a way that we are meriting some type of special favor from you, but in such a way that we are saying thank you for what you have done and that we are desiring for others to experience that same grace, that same goodness that we have experienced. And therefore, we're helpful and sharing. This is what you desire from us. These are sacrifices that are acceptable to you. I just pray, Lord, that you'll take this simple message, penetrate our hearts with it, and we might be the people that can make sacrifices pleasing to you. And I'll give you the thanks and the praise for you.